hey, we're going to dismiss our preschoolers to children's church, our elementary school age kids to children's church. Brother Eddie Weaver, can you, I want you to come and pray this morning, would you? Um, and I want us to have a special time of prayer, just a second when the kids kind of clear out. And I'm going to ask Brother Eddie to come and lead us in prayer. Um, and I want us, Brother Eddie, if you would lead us in prayer. I'm actually just ask, I'm going to ask you to stand. And um, I, I know there's, there's always um, challenges in our church family, but I want, us to, I want us to join hands across the aisle. I didn't tell you that. Yes. Do what you're told. Nobody gets hurt. Okay. Um, I want us to pray for Emma Stoddard this morning, and I know she got uh, challenging news this weekend, and we want to pray for her as a church family. I know that uh, I think Tasha has surgery tomorrow. I don't mean to be calling you out, but we continue to pray for Zach, and uh, Dorothy Penland continues to have uh, things and uh, treatment that she's going through, and um, David Box and I leave for Africa. I'm like loading down your list, brother. I'm sorry. You just, you, just, you just cover it all. David Box and I leave for Africa Thursday. I know David's gone to corral small children with snacks, and so he's not in here right now. But I want to, if you just pray for us, brother. Thank you. Father, we just come to you this morning with heavy hearts for some of the our friends and our fellow church members, brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, I know in a congregation this size there are many people with different needs, health issues, but we want to lift up him to you this morning. And I know that uh, we don't understand a lot of these situations, but Father, we know you are in control love and mercy will reach out to the family, to her, to Greg and Sheila, and Father, we just lift them up to you this morning and the entire congregation. Father, we, we know they need your peace, your mercy, and your love. Just wrap your arms around them this during this time, and, and Father, we just pray that uh, we pray for Emma's healing. We know that uh, that's very capable, that you can heal her. And Father, we just pray as a church this morning that uh, that would be your will. Just uh, be responsive to our will. And for the other ones that's going through different medical issues, Father, we just lift them up this morning also. Just uh, give them your grace and mercy. Just touch their hearts in a very special way. And for the pastor and David as they go to Africa, Father, we just... Uh, Pray this morning that you would make the way easy for them, that everything would work out. And Father, for the, for the people that they're going to speak with or tell the stories to, Father, we just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would be there before them. Just open their hearts. Begin to just kind of lead them in the way that uh, the pastor and David can give them a fresh word about you. Because that's the only thing that matters in life is if they accept you as a Savior. And maybe then they can lead some of their own people in that path. Father, as a church, we just uh, 
ask that you continue to bless us. You've blessed us in the past. You continue to bless us today as we kind of open our eyes and try to take a new direction to reach the people in Huntington. Just, uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be very strong in this congregation today, that the people that you have selected on this committee, that uh, you'll just uh, be very strong in giving that uh, opinion to our congregation today, that they'll just know the right people that needs to be on this committee. Father, we just thank you for the ones that minister in this church, the staff members. We thank you for their willingness to be truthful, to be honest, and to always rely on your word and their guidance in their own life. Father, again, as pastor brings a word this morning, let us be receptive to you in every area of our life and understand that no matter where we go or what we stand do, we represent you to the people of Huntington. Just help us be the kind of representative that they could look at our own lives and realize that you made a difference to us and that you're the only one that's going to make a difference to them. Again, we give you the praise and glory for who you are. We thank you, we love you, and we just ask you to be with us in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. As I begin to say, uh, since the first Sunday of this year, I believe God is calling us to a new day with a fresh vision, and uh, I believe he's given us a direction that we've expressed in the statement that we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, his church, and his cause. I believe he has given us a goal and the goal would be in the next five years that every person in Huntington, Texas, and even beyond, would have a relational connection to the gospel. They would have someone in their lives that was walking with Jesus and was speaking the gospel in their life. I believe for us that would be maximizing our impact. I want to look at the scripture this morning at the church of Thessalonica because I believe that the church at Thessalonica was a maximum impact church. The, the one scripture that led me to this is the statement that Paul makes when he writes back to them some days after being there in 1 Thessalonians 1.8 when he says, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. I believe the church of Thessalonica was a maximum impact church because they saturated their mission field with the gospel. Paul says, everyone heard about their faith. Um, I think it helps for us to visualize this with a map. Uh, I see things in my brain and I see maps. Uh, I want you to kind of get the, the, the sense of the story that unfolds in the church of Thessalonica. And you can kind of see in the north and a little bit west, you can see Thessalonica. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in his first missionary journey, had spent his time over here in the east and where you see Asia. And uh, he planted the gospel there, but God led him all the way to the city of Troas, in the second journey 
and uh, he receives at Troas the Macedonian call, and he crosses the water there, and he ends up in Philippi, Acts 16, and then he comes to Thessalonica, and we're going to see that in just a minute in, in Acts 17. They run him out of town in Thessalonica. I'm just telling you the way it's going to unfold. He ends up in Berea. They're so mad at Paul that they, the people from Thessalonica show up in Berea and they run him out of Berea. The, uh, the disciples transport Paul to Athens. But Timothy and Silas stay in Berea in this region. And uh, eventually Timothy joins Paul in Athens and then later in Corinth. And he gives him a report. Think about how slowly news would have traveled in those days. He gives him a report of how things are going with the church at Thessalonica that he'd only spent a short amount of time with. And so there's really two sections of Scripture. There's the story in Acts, and there's two letters that Paul writes, First and Second Thessalonians. Notice with me first uh, in Acts chapter 17. Um, I want you to see the impact of the gospel in that short time that Paul had in Thessalonica in his missionary journeys. So it says in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 10. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, and Luke includes this phrase, as his custom was. I want you to think about this. Who does Paul have a, a natural relational connection with? Jews. So when he went to the town, as his custom, he connected with the people that he knew in the language that they knew, with the scripture that they knew. He went to the Jews. And so then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Three Sabbaths. Paul's not there very long explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Notice the summary of his message in verse 3 is about the suffering and the resurrection of Jesus, just the gospel, the simple gospel that Jesus died and he was raised from the dead. And he is the one who we must look to for salvation and everything. This is what life is all about. The response in verse 4, And some of them were persuaded... And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Hmm. Verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, where Paul and Silas would have been staying, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, and I love this. It's underlined in my Bible, if you believe in underlining. This is what they cried out. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What a description of what Christians ought to be doing those who are turning the world upside down. Verse 7, Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, 
they let them go. And then the statement in verse 10, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And the missions continue. But as I said, they are run out of town, out of Berea, not just Thessalonica, but Berea. He ends up in Athens. Timothy comes with a report from the Thessalonian church. And Paul writes two letters. And in those letters, the words that Paul writes, we see the effect of the gospel that Paul had planted in such a short time. And you see what I have described in previous weeks as the ripple effect that the gospel came and made such an impact in Thessalonica that it changed the way these people lived and acted. And the, the gospel radiates out. And you see the statement that Paul makes. And I want you to see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, 6, 7, and 8. Just those three verses of the effect of the gospel and what it looks like for a church to be a maximum impact church. Look at these words carefully. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6. This is obviously just Paul's opening statement. And he said, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. What a statement from Paul. What an awesome report that must have been when Timothy came and Paul must have wondered, man, I got run out of that town. I was only there for three Sabbaths. I got run out of the next town and now I've taken a boat all the way down to Achaia miles and miles away and I wonder whatever happened in Thessalonica and to have such an incredible report that the gospel had permeated they had saturated their mission field with the gospel in verses 6, 7, and 8 I want you to see three things that characterize the people of a maximum impact church. In verse 6, I want you to see that they were impacted by the gospel deeply. In verse 7, that they lived out the gospel daily. And then in verse 8, that they radiate the gospel outwardly. This is what I glean from the, the church of Thessalonica, from Timothy's report, from Paul's words. Uh, the first of those is, and it's the starting point, they were impacted by the gospel deeply. I see this in verse 6. Paul says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, 
having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Not only does Paul say that they are followers, which to me is a stronger word than believers. It wasn't just that Paul said, you became believers in the gospel that I presented to you. You believed it in your hearts. No, you not only believed it, but you were following. And the implication is you are following a person. Now he does say us. He followed their example, but they also became followers of the Lord. They were living this out in their lives. To me, it denotes a deeper impact in their lives when the gospel came and the commitment that they had made. They were impacted by the gospel deeply. But the thing that brought me to this verse is what he he records of the joy that they exhibited in the midst of the affliction That word affliction denotes the persecution. I mean, who wants to become a part of a movement where the leader of that movement gets run out of town within a month? It's like, seriously? That kind of came and went and it's gone? No, it didn't go. These people in Thessalonica, the unbelievers, were so zealous they didn't just stay in Thessalonica, they went to Berea and ran Paul out of Berea and their region. We don't need your likes in our parts of the world. Get out. So we know that there was persecution, there was affliction, however you want to put it. What was it that was demonstrated in their lives? He said, in the midst of the affliction, you had a joy of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make any sense. Unless the gospel has impacted you deeply. There was something greater than the persecution around them. It was the Christ inside of them. I would learn, want us to learn from the Thessalonians that the Christ inside us must become greater than the world around us. The Christ in us must become greater than the world around us. There was a joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of their affliction because they were impacted by the gospel deeply. I couldn't help but think of John's word in 1 John 4, 4 when he said, you know this one, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Is Christ in you greater than your circumstances today? If he's not, it's not the Jesus that I know. John would say, even as he experienced persecution, know that Christ in you is greater than he who is in the world. Paul would give the same testimony on many occasions. The starting point for us is that the gospel would impact us deeply. It is... It is the point of impact in our lives that creates the ripple effect. 
if there is not a ripple effect, there is not an impact. If there is an impact, there will be a ripple effect. If we do not see the ripple effect in our lives, we have to go back to the starting point, the point of impact. And I think the problem is sometimes we lose the sense of what Jesus did for us. I thought about this morning as Shane led us in worship. Sometimes we just forget that I was a sinner saved by grace. And it doesn't matter if I live 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years after that. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. The impact of the gospel has not lessened. But sometimes in our minds it loses its effect. I don't know, somehow we soften. Let me challenge you, and I've thought about this in my own life. Every day, get up and remind yourself that apart from the grace of God, you would not have the life that you live. Would you stop in the midst of your day and just say and remind yourself of the goodness and the greatness of God and the, and the impact of the gospel in your life? Would you let on a daily basis the gospel impact you deeply? And if, you're ever, if you ever get to thinking that you're somebody, let me just assure you, I'm sure my God will remind you in the circumstances of your life, you're not all that in a bag of chips anymore. I don't want to speak that on you. But no, life, life will show you. You're not quite as good and you don't have it as together as you think you do. The people of Thessalonica were impacted by the gospel deeply. Uh, but what I see in verse 7 is that they lived out the gospel daily. And what I mean by daily is in their daily lives. It says in verse 7, so that the gospel so made an impact on you so deeply in verse 6. that in verse 7, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Man, the other people that were believers look to you to see how deeply the gospel had impacted. You became examples. An example is an observable uh, difference in someone's life. Uh, they saw it first in Paul because in verse 6 he said that you became first followers of us and of the Lord. There was, there was something observable in the life of the Thessalonians that showed that Jesus had changed their life. There was something in the midst of their daily lives that people looked so that they would ascribe this phrase to them. These are the people who have turned the world upside down. You're different. There was an observable change in their life. The Thessalonians saw it in Paul and Silas but they experienced, experienced it in their own lives. And then the believers in that region saw it in their lives. It's not just that the gospel impacted them on the inside. It changed their lives on the outside. 
My statement would be to you that the Christ inside of us must change the way that we live. The Christ inside of us must change the way we live. If there is not a change on the outside, we have to question whether there has been a change on the inside. But I would say to you, if you profess to a change on the inside, you must live it out on the outside. There must be some observable change of life that people see on a daily basis. I believe the people of Macedonia and Achaia saw it and heard it in the believers of Thessalonica. People in your circles of influence and relationships need to see the difference that Christ makes in your life. If you live like them, and and I've said this, I've said this, that we live in a culture that is culturally Christian in Huntington, Texas. So what I'm saying, if people look at us and they see that you live like anybody else, I would contend today that is simply cultural Christianity. I don't even know if it's Christianity at all. It is the practice of religion, sort of under the guise of Jesus and the Bible, How is your life different than cultural Christianity? What do people see in your life that you have a relationship, a vibrant relationship with Jesus in which you are walking with him daily and he is changing you into his likeness? There was something in Jesus' life as he walked this earth that was different. And if we are his followers, we will always be different. That's why they implicated them and said, these are the people who have turned the world upside down. Christ inside of us must change the way that we live on the outside. To be a part of a church that is a maximum impact church, we must be impacted by the gospel deeply, but we also must live out the gospel daily. Thirdly, we must radiate the gospel outwardly. This is what led me to this whole study in verse 8 for from you you know what from you denotes to me the epicenter of the impact that was the sound of like a bomb dropping I don't know if y'all I have other sounds we're not going to go through those today there was a point of impact the epicenter and Paul says from you From that center, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Literally, that word in the original Greek means it is our word for echo. And it literally says to echo out. From you, the word of the Lord has, in the perfect tense, which means it happened in the past and the effects of it still are today, 
it has echoed out. It started in the epicenter. There was such an impact that it rang. They would use this word to speak of a trumpet ringing out. The gospel, the word of the Lord has rang out like a trumpet. Or they would use this word to sound forth of what happens when thunder rolls. The, the word of the Lord has sounded forth like thunder. Not only in Macedonia, which was the region of Thessalonica and Philippi, but also in Achaia, which is southern Greece. It started in the epicenter and it has gone out. And not that it stopped there, but it has gone into every place. And I love this last sentence when he says, Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. You know the thing that strikes me about the story? And this is my, this is my punchline. This is, this is it. Is that Paul was there for a short amount of time and he didn't come back. But it was the people who had been impacted by the gospel who were sounding forth the gospel. It was just your person in Thessalonica that had been changed by Jesus. The apostles are gone. They're not there anymore. And I think for that short window of time, they were the focus of everything. But when Paul left, there was something that happened organically to the people of that place that they began to live it and to speak it. It is words. Because he says in verse 8, from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. It, it speaks of, 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 of noise, of a sound going forth. And Paul says, we don't have to say anything anymore. Because you as the average person in the church at Thessalonica, in your daily life, are not only living it, but you're speaking it. It became a part of their DNA. Even when Paul left, they simply spoke the gospel. There were no apparent programs in the church at Thessalonica. There were just church members who, as they went about their daily task, as far as I can tell, spoke about the Jesus that was inside of them. What I would say to you is that the Christ inside of us must be spoken by us. This is the ripple effect. It is not simply that we will live the gospel, but that we will speak the gospel. The gospel must radiate outwardly. I believe that God is calling us to be a maximum impact church. And I invite you to be a part of that. What it will take for us is that we must be impacted by the gospel deeply. We must live out the gospel daily. And we must radiate the gospel outwardly. And I pray for the day... I don't know how we'll verify this, but I pray for the day that we could say that Paul would speak those words to us and we would know that we were a maximum impact church because we had saturated our mission field and beyond 
with the gospel that every person in Huntington, Texas had a relational connection with the gospel. Someone that knew Jesus, that was living it in their life and speaking it into their life. And that's my prayer for the days to come. Amen.